This is Davis Bamigoy, and thank you for joining me for today's podcast. Today's podcast is based on the theme titled of Sons, Daughters, and Slaves. This podcast, by the way, is part three of the five-part series of the message we've been teaching about called, called the Sonship. Today, I just want to talk to you about sons, daughters, and slaves, the differences between those things and what that means for you as a child of God. You see, the Spirit of God in the believer confirms that the believer's sonship and daughtership. What do I mean by that? What essentially I'm saying is that the Spirit of God that is in you as a child of God, if you have given your life to Jesus, confirms your sonship or your daughtership if you're, if you're a lady. How does he do this? He cries, Abba, Father. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 6, in the Passion Translation, the Bible says, And so that we should know for sure that we are his true children, God released the spirit of sonship into our hearts, moving us to cry out intimately, My Father, you are our true Father. I'll read that again. Galatians 4, 6, in the Passion Translation, says it this way, And so that we will know for sure that we are his true children, God released the spirit of sonship into our hearts moving us to cry out intimately, my father, you are our true father. So essentially, the Spirit of God in us cries Abba Father. Now, the word Abba is not a Greek word. Why do I use the word? Why do I, why do I say that? You see, in the, in the New Testament, the New Testament is written in Greek. Why the Old Testament is written in Hebrew? Now, the New Testament word for Abba that is, you see in the Bible is actually not a Greek word, but it's an Aramaic word. It's an Hebrew word, transliterate, transliterated into Greek letters. Abba is the Aramaic word for father. It, all, it is also found in Mark chapter 14, verse 36, when Jesus Christ used the same word to describe God when he was praying in the garden of Gethsemane. It's amazing that in the middle of the greatest temptation and challenges that Jesus Christ faced, he still continued to call God Abba. What does that mean for you and I? It means that no matter what you're going through, when you face one challenge after another, I want you to remember that the words that you must be coming out of your mouth or the words that the Holy Spirit is still speaking in that challenge is the word Abba Father. He is crying out Abba. He's crying out a word of endearment to God the Father. Abba is also a word of devotion. It's a term of endearment. This is why some people have called or concluded that Abba can be translated as Daddy or Papa. <laughs> it is hard to imagine a closer relationship to have with God than to call him Abba, our beloved Father. I don't know about you, whether you're getting what I'm saying. Do you call God or do you see him as Abba, Father, or do you see him as God? Whatever view you have of God, whether as Abba Father or as God Almighty, makes all the difference in your relationship with God. The hard desire of God is for you to come into this intimate relationship with Him where you can call Him Abba Father, even when you're going through the worst challenges of your life. The Spirit of God in you shouts that God is your Father, not in a predatory way, but in a loving, filial relationship. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 7, the Bible says, Now we are no longer living like slaves under the law, but we enjoy being God's very own sons and daughters. 
And because we are ears, we can access everything our Father has. For we are ears of God through Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Did you catch that? What this scripture is saying is that we are not to live like slaves under the law, but we are to enjoy being God's very own sons and daughters. The implication of this realization is that we have access to everything that God our Father has and everything that God our Father is belongs to us. We we become what the Bible calls ears and heiresses of God through Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise God. So now let's deep dive into this the difference between sons and daughters and what we call a slave. The difference between a son or a daughter of God and a slave or a servant of God is captured in this text in Romans chapter 8, verse 14 to 17. Again, I'm reading from the Passion Translation. It says, The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned, for as he rises up within you, our spirit join him in saying the words of tender affection, Beloved Father! For the Holy Spirit himself makes God's fatherhood real to us, as he whispers in, in our in, into our innermost being, You are God's beloved child. <laughs> and since we are his true children, we qualify to share all his treasures, for indeed we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. We will experience being glorified or being co-glorified with him, provided that we accept his sufferings as our own. Let's explain and unpack this portion of scripture. Here, what did we? What can we deduce? We deduce that those who are sons and daughters of God, they are led by the Spirit of God. In the Passion Translation, the words sons of God are actually translated as matured children of God. What brings this maturity? Well, a son of God is a mature child of God who is led by the Holy Spirit. What that means is if you are if you if you have learned to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, then you are a matured child of God. And if you're a mature child of God, the Bible calls you son or daughter of God. Praise God. This person who is the son of God is not into religious duty. This person is not led by fear. This person does not feel unworthy before God. A son or a daughter of God feels fully accepted and knows that all that God is and all that God has belongs to him or her. Such a person shares in the glory of God. In fact, the major outstanding revelation to the sons of God and the daughters of God is that they know that they are heirs and heirs of God. What does that mean? You see, if you are a child of God, or if you understand what it means to have sonship or daughtership, as the case may be, what it means is that you have a full awareness, not a head knowledge, a full conscious act-level awareness that you are an heir of God or you are an heiress of God if you're a female. And what that means is that this awareness, this act-level awareness permeates everything that you do. These people are the ones referred to in Romans chapter 8, verse 19, when the Bible says, The entire universe is standing on tiptoe, 
yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. What this is saying, brothers and sisters, is that the whole universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of you as a son or as a daughter of God. To embrace this sonship reality, it, it, it means that when you embrace this sonship reality, you are walking in the greatest plan of God for your life. The greatest plan of God for your life is to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. The greatest plan of God for your life is to embrace sonship, to know who you are in Christ Jesus, to know who God has declared you to be. Another translation of Romans 8, 19 that I know very well when I was younger says it this way. It says, the whole earth waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. So the entire universe is waiting or groaning for your manifestation as a son or as a daughter of God. But if you're a son of God, you're a daughter of God, we've explained earlier, it means that you know, not as a head knowledge, but as a heart awareness that you have the right, you have the privileges of what it means to be a child of God. What that means essentially is when you carry a heart level awareness that the rights and privileges of God himself belongs to you, then you can demonstrate his glory on the earth and in your affairs. Your unveiling comes really from knowing fully well your sonship and your daughtership in Christ, in God. Now, interestingly though, the Greek word used for unveiling in Romans 8.19 is the word apocalypsis. And it is the same word for the full title of the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation actually is the revelation or the unveiling of Jesus Christ. What this means, brothers, brothers and sisters, is that the created universe is but the backdrop for the dramatic appearing of God's sons and daughters, unveiled with the glory of Jesus Christ upon them. Which means the glory of Jesus Christ upon you serves as the backdrop of what is going to happen in the future. I hope you got that. Now, let's take it a step back. The verb that is used in this Greek text is clear that this unveiling is imminent, is soon to happen, and destined to take place. The unveiling or the manifestation of the sons of God has a two-pronged impartation. It has a present-day reality impartation as you are unveiled to the world when you step into fully knowing that you are a son or you are a daughter of God with full rights and privileges. It also has a futuristic manifestation when Christ is going to come back in, in his second advent to the world. Now, although God will not share his glory with another, please pay attention to this, although God will not share his glory with another, I want you to know that we are no longer, quote and unquote, another. For we are one with the Father, we are one with the Son, and we are one with the Holy Spirit through our faith in Christ Jesus. Praise God forevermore. That blesses me so much. Listen, listen in John chapter 17, verse 22, to buttress this point further, Jesus Christ actually already gave us his glory. The Bible says here in John 17, verse 22, that for the very glory you have given to me, I have given to them so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity 
that we enjoy this is jesus christ praying to the father and he said he has given god the father he has given to the disciples rather the glory that god the father gave to him before god himself created the whole universe so it is easy for you now to know and say and declare and believe that you are the glory of god in order to be joined with the lord and be united with him you must share his glory it's very simple this glory he gave to you when you became born again as a son or as a daughter of God, you are the glory of God on the earth. This statement has radical implications. One implication of this means this, is that wherever you go, you must carry the consciousness of being God-like. God-like in which way? In victory, in, dis in the dispensation of love, of light, of power, of dominion, of mercy, of justice, of righteousness. Why? Because you are God's son and daughter right now now what is the predominant feature of this of the slavish mentality well what i would say is this a person who believes that is a slave of god or is a servant of god has one thing that is predominant fear and performance-based sense of self-worth this kind of feeling is different from what a daughter or a son of god will feel a believer with a servant mentality perceives god as tyrannical and judgmental such a person is led by fear and creates a mental gulf between himself and the love of God. They seek to perform in order to feel accepted by God. Listen to this carefully. A servant has no access to the throne, but a child has a seat near the father's throne. A slave has no sense, a, a slave has no sense of worth, but a child knows that he or she is beloved. If you grow up with a slave of God or a servant of God mentality, you will feel so unworthy before God. If you grew up, however, with a sonship mentality, you will know that you have free access to God and that God loves you the same way he loves Jesus. In fact, God delights in you as his child. As a believer, you are not a servant of God, but a child of God. Galatians chapter 3 verse 26 in the Amplified Version says this, For you who are born again, having been reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, sanctified and are all children of god set apart for his purpose with full rights and privileges through faith in christ jesus first john chapter 3 verse 1 the passion translations echoes the same thing it says look with wonder at the depth of the father's marvelous love that he has lavished on us he has called us and made us his very own beloved children the reason the world doesn't recognize who we are is that they didn't recognize him brothers and sisters God's will and God's plan is for you to be adopted as his child in Christ Jesus. This adoption was not a product of happenstance. It's not a product of guesswork, but it was a pleasurable intention carefully planned by God from before he created the world, which means that you're showing up on earth. Your identity and your destiny is not a mistake. It's not a fluke. It was planned by God before God even created the world. His intention I mean, God's intention is as you as an adopted child, you as a born again Christian will be seen as holy, loved, chosen and blameless before him in love. That is what Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 to 5 is trying to communicate. The magnitude of the, the beauty encapsulated in these verses at times is too much for us to be at or even for us to understand. Listen, when God looks at you, he sees the image of his dear son through whom you have obtained your adoption into God's family. 
the depth of what God has done for us in Jesus is so great and so mind-blowing that if we deeply think about it, the only thing left for us to do is to throw up our hands in rapturous praise to God, our Father. You are blameless. You are holy before God. When you wake up, what I want you to do is spend a moment from time to time. See yourself in the throne room with God. And you can see God smiling at you as you say, good morning, dad. When you say good morning, dad, as you wake up, see God in the throne room smiling at you. Don't have a, a mindset that God doesn't want to embrace you. You know that in the Garden of Eden, even after Adam messed up, the Bible said God came to fellowship with Adam in the cool of the evening. That was his custom. That is what he, that it was what he normally would do. And he was still coming to show up even though Adam, Adam has messed up. Look, if you do this exercise, possibly in front of a mirror, it will change your paradigm if you believe it. John chapter 1 verse 12 to 13 says, Once we have believed in Jesus, we are given the rights and the privileges of being a child of God. God did not create mankind to be slaves. God had angels to do that. God did not create us to be an army. God had angels to fight his battles. God created us to be family. We are sons and we are daughters of God and we are not slaves. Galatians chapter 4 verse 6 as we round up says again, so that we will know for sure that we are true children, God released the spirit of sonship into our hearts, moving us to cry intimately, my father, you are our true father. Praise God forevermore. A person who thinks like a slave is never sure of his or her standing with God. In Christ, you are God's child. In Christ, you are fully accepted. In Christ, you are fully adopted into the family of God. Praise God. Now, as you round up, there's a, quite a, a couple of questions I want to ask you to think about. Now, number one, if you truly believe that the God of the universe is your Abba, how would that change the way you relate to the world around you? That's the first question. Second question here is, how might this realization that God of the universe is your father help you to overcome fear and anxiety about what tomorrow holds. Open your journal, find some time, answer those questions for yourself and go over this over this podcast and the text and the Lord will help you as you ponder. Let's do this affirmation as we round up. I am God's son or I'm God's daughter. I'm not a slave. I'm God's child. I'm not a servant. I am in him and not outside of him. I am accepted by him and never rejected. I am favored by him and never despised. I am eternally loved and never tolerated. I belong in my father's family, the God of all universes. This is where I am and I believe it. Praise God forevermore. All right. Thank you. That's the end of our podcast today. I'll speak to you another time. God bless you.